Today we come to what I hope will be the final part of this series on guidance, except as we heard earlier, the last part's actually the prayer meeting this week, because we're going to be praying together for whatever decisions you have you'd like prayer for, and you don't have to be specific, you can just say, I have something I like prayer for and we will get behind you. So my plan this week is to conclude the series and lie looking at the role of unusual events or coincidences in guidance. And we're going to have a lot of fun today because I have some very fun stories. And um, this is, uh, these are sometimes called signs. And uh, often Christians are looking for signs. And they're thinking, God, I want you to guide me. And so in practice, this is a very important area because so many Christians have either found guidance or been totally horribly misled by signs. The most of the horror stories about guidance are actually people misreading these events or signs. So it's really important we have today's session. And uh, I've done a lot of research over the years on this specific part of guidance, and I'm going to share some of that with you today. So um, we're going to first of all look... Um, I, I couldn't decide whether to call it caution with coincidences or problems with probability, but that's our first point. And the second one is don't go down the rabbit hole. And the third one is a healthy process for unusual events. And so, quick recap the story so far. We talked about how not to find guidance, how not to choose a wife and other stories, the problem with fleeces, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that was back in our part one, and basic ideas about the two extremes of the dot, where you've got to find the perfect will in the, in the circle. It really doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not breaking God's will, and the answer being somewhere in the middle ground there. And then I talk about three steps uh, for knowing God's will. We start, and this is a foundation for all of this series, that <clears throat> that if we're the children of God, we walk in the Spirit. We have the Spirit in us, and it is the heart of God. It's his desires, and our behavior should flow out of who we are. And often we don't need a special guidance like Jesus. It says, he was moved with compassion when he saw the widow, and he raised her son from the dead. Like he was moved, that compassion that flowed out was, was what it was. That was the, the leading. And then asking for wisdom, we're told to ask for wisdom. There's a command to do that, and the Bible is full of wisdom, and we can always ask for wisdom. Sometimes uh, God will give us a special revelation, and we talked last time about some of these things. Um, uh, I'm just That was just a summary of that last slide. I would just say at the bottom there, we should always have one. That's... We walk in the Spirit, ask for two, ask for wisdom when we need it, and God we can give supernatural revelation, but we can't demand it. So extraordinary direction, I talked last time about an inner voice, three ways God may speak. He may speak through feelings given by the Spirit, voices, pictures, or strong impressions, or maybe dreams when asleep. And these are inner, other people can't see them. And then I'd also talked about an external voice, and that could be a prophetic word someone gives us, an open vision, or a voice while we're awake, or it could be this week's topic, providential events and signs. So if you want to, this is a very, very quick recap. It's online if you want to see what last week's one was all about. 
So um, that then takes us to um, the question of how we process these unusual events because sometimes decisions are complicated and we have to make a decision and we don't know where to go and all the signs seem very confusing we can't tell what should we do where should we go and uh, we 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 just got to try and figure out what we have to do so my first point then caution with coincidences and what's the problem here so uh, I've got an, I've read lots of books on this subject, and I got one um, by. Um, this is not a Christian book. This is a book on probability by an English statistician, um, university professor, who gives evidence in courts as an expert witness on whether things were by chance or whether they were coincidences or whether they couldn't have been. And he's got. It's, it's a beautifully written book about. Um, about whether something could have been chance or not. Is that really by chance? And he gives us um, some, I found, really, really helpful warnings against misunderstanding things. Actually, there's not a chance. There's not a coincidence. You think it is. And I'm going to go through some of those now. First one is many things happen every day. Billions of things happen every day. And because so many things happen... um, some of them are going to be weird. Some are going to be very, very odd. And uh, those are the ones we notice. So one story he told is that, you know, The Wizard of Oz, the movie. Well, when they made that movie, the the director wanted um, the wizard, the man behind the curtain, to be wearing this kind of shabby jacket that once had seen better days. So he sent the team out into L.A. to try and buy one from a thrift store. And they came back with 60 so he could make a choice. And they tried them all on, and the guy chose which one he wanted. So they got ready for the first shoot, and the guy... it was, puts the coat on and he's standing there and it's um, like a kind of nice jacket and nice coat and, and um, well, you couldn't see it if you watched the movie. And he puts his hands into his pockets and there's a piece of paper in one of them and he pulls it out and it's a receipt. And it's a receipt for, to the tailor for this jacket. And then they look at this receipt and actually the person who bought the jacket was the man who wrote The Wizard of Oz. They were so shocked. They said, has somebody done this to fool us? They called the tailor in Chicago and said, oh, yeah, I made that coat for him. So what's the chances? Well, the thing is, does it have any significance? No. God wasn't speaking. But we wouldn't hear that story unless it was remarkable because so many things happen. Some of them are going to be weird and unusual. And so that's the problem. You know, you hit a golf ball and it lands on a particular blade of grass. Well, it could have landed on millions of blades of grass but why that particular one well it's got to land on one hasn't it you know so so this is the problem that we can come up with so uh the second one uh is that something will inevitably happen and this is linked to what i was just saying about the grass um there are eight thousand towns in canada and if you take out a pin and and drop it on a map and you land on a particular town, you could say, wow, it landed on that little town. The probability against it landing on that town was 8,000 to 1. Yeah, but, but it had to land on one town. Um, uh, so this is um, 
there's always going to be, if you do enough, there's always going to be something. So, for example, we have got, if we had 32 people here, and I gave you each a coin to toss, and you all tossed it, and half of you would get heads and half tails, approximately, and then I get everybody to toss again, and again five times, the chances are that uh, one of you will get five heads in a row. Wow, how unlikely to get five heads in a row. Yeah, but somebody's going to do it if you have enough people. One of you will probably get five tails in a row. And this is a misunderstanding we have. Something will inevitably happen. Um, the third one is we're attuned to relevance with what is in our minds. So a um, uh, number of years ago, Anne and I w- got a, a blue van. And... This particular van, as soon as we got it, we started noticing how many blue vans there were on the road. There were so many. And we just noticed, weren't we? We called it the blue van effect. <laughs> there were so many. The fact is we didn't notice them because we didn't have one. And now we notice Honda Fits. <laughs> because, you know, you just know. And you think there are a lot of them because you're attuned to that. And the same thing is we're attuned to coincidences. And um, so, for example, if I'm asking God for guidance about, you know, maybe I should move to Iceland. You know, I think God might be guiding me. And um, then I hear Iceland mentioned on the news. And then um, I hear Tom talking about, oh, it's ice today on the land. Oh, Iceland. And then I'm in the supermarket. And oh, look on the shelf. There's yogurt here. And it's, it's a skier yogurt. And it's Icelandic Icelandic style yogurt. God must be speaking to me about moving to Iceland. And it's just because we're attuned to that. So just be very wary about that way we can become attuned to seeing parallels and everything. It's the way the human mind works. The next danger is after the fact connections. This is a little bit more complicated, but it's very, very important. Um, If you decide exactly what you're looking for and it happens, it's much more significant than if you say, oh, after the event, you say, oh, that fits. Um, Let me give you some examples to show what I mean. So last week, I told the story about Billy Graham saying, if God, if it's your will for me to start a radio program, um, may I have $25,000 given tonight before that time. Now, that was significant because he said the figure before it happened. But if the $25,000 had come in, he said, you know what? I think $25,000 is the right amount we need for a radio program. God must be speaking to me. It's much less powerful. Now, what I didn't tell you about the story, which is an, which is, um, makes it more significant. Remember I said that $24,000 came in? And then... As he was count, they counted the money up and they said, well, there's only 24,000. The, the concierge arrived with two letters with $500 in each. Those letters had been, had been mailed before he'd mentioned the fact he was thinking about a radio show. And the letters both said, if you ever think of starting a radio program, here is $500 towards it. So that was rewritten before the fact. So that is much more significant then than something um, that happens after the fact. Um, So uh, 
a good, uh, an example, a practical example of this is the way that uh, medical trials are conducted. Um, the way that things used to happen is when you had a medical study, supposing you were doing a study for, say, um, improving hair growth, and you noticed people's digestion got better. You could say, ah, oh, we've got a drug for digestion now. Look at the results. Because the problem is that something's going to improve in your trial if you're measuring enough things randomly. You've got 100 people. Things change all the time. And nowadays, when you have a medical trial, you've got to state what, what you're, you're looking for, what the goal of the trial is beforehand. You have to state that. Isn't that right? Yeah, because otherwise you could, after the fact, you can pick something that looked good in the trial. Uh, uh, so he mentions that in the book, but he mentions another problem that the pharmaceuticals indulge in, which we haven't stopped them doing, is just doing vast numbers of trials, and some of them are going to work the first time. Of course, they're not repeatable later, but this is they can give you the impression something is good, because if you do enough trials and enough drugs, something randomly is going to show up. So after the fact connections is, uh, can be a real problem. Um, and so the, uh, we've got to be very careful then that, that if, we're, if something seems to be guidance, well, was I actually specifically praying for that? Or did it just show up and it hmm, seems to fit? So the fifth one is near misses. And this is, uh, this is interesting. Um, so um, I heard of somebody who said, um, was thinking about marrying a girl uh, that he, he, he knew, and he said, God, if she has the same birthday as me, may that be a sign that we, she's the right one for me. And he found out her birthday. And uh, his birthday was on November 23rd. Hers was on November 21st. Wow, well, that must, I mean, that's close enough, he said. That's close enough. But it's not, you know, if God wanted to answer you, I mean, you would think it was a stupid thing to ask anyway. But if God was going to answer you, he would answer right, wouldn't he? He wouldn't kind of do a near miss. And so we've got to be really careful about this because many, many things can be like, oh, you know, I think God's guiding me. Well, it wasn't actually Iceland, it was Greenland, he said. But yeah, it's close enough, you know. It's, um, and so we can do this and be very careful about that. And so, those are five problems with probability that we really have to be warned against. Um, so uh, um, let's then look at um, unusual events. So we have to be careful. We mustn't go down the rabbit hole, and we've got to help a healthy process. So the next thing I want to say, this is the rabbit hole. Don't go down the numbers game, the the, the, uh, the don't play, that should be, don't play the numbers game. So here's an example of a numbers game. Um, you, the, uh, the planes that went into the World Trade Center in 9-11, uh, if you look at 9-11, 9 plus 1 plus 1 equals 11. So that's 9-11. There are 111 days between 11th of September and the end of the year. The it's the 254th day of the year, 9-11, is it? 2 plus 5 plus 4 equals 11. Whoa. The first plane was an American Airlines Flight 11, and AA, if A is 1, so that's 11-11. That was the first plane. The flight crew had 11 people in it. New York was the 11th state added to the Union. 
And you can see how silly this is getting. And people play these games looking for patterns. And if you're prepared to do enough and add enough things up, you'll get all kinds of patterns in everything. Don't go down that rabbit hole. That is not guiding. That's just silliness with numbers. And people, unfortunately, do it all the time in our culture. So that's my first rabbit hole warning. Um, The second thing is these um, weird coincidences. So here's another book I got, and this is a book I discovered after I got it, is is actually, um, it's this one here. This is kind of a new age book, and it's called Incredible Coincidence, and he's basically looking for paranormal things. And when he wrote this book, he was thinking about writing to a friend of his he'd heard of who... Um, not a friend, sorry, somebody he met years ago who told him a story and he was thinking about writing and getting that story, but he never got around to it. And then that story, she, for some reason, wrote the story and mailed it to him. And the story was this, that she wrote to him. The story was that um, she was driving along one day and she was behind a truck and the license of the truck was 15644. And she was thinking, 15644, and she's just playing in her game. What if we took the six out and put it at the beginning? Oh, that would make the telephone number of my psychic. Uh, 61544. That's weird. And she didn't think anything of it. She got home. Then she had a call on her phone, a guy saying, you know what? A friend of mine is sick. You don't know the phone number of your psychic friend, do you? Because I want her to pray for him. And she said, oh, yeah, isn't that amazing? Gave him the number. Well, it turned out the psychic was um, busy and couldn't come and pray, and eventually the friend died. So, like it. But, you know, I hope you realize that's not God giving messages like that. This is weird stuff that we can do. And don't go get involved. Christians get involved in this sort of stuff, constructing things. And if you're prepared to play around enough with stuff in your head, you will find all kinds of connections out there. Um, uh, so there's a, another story. This is not a psychic one, but it's an interesting one. So this is in the probability book. There's a guy called Anthony Hopkins who was asked to play the lead role in The Girl from Petrovka. And she, he needed a copy of the book. He was in the UK at the time. He couldn't find a copy anywhere. So he drove to London, went around every single bookshop, all of them were sold out of this book. Couldn't find it. Got on the subway to go to go back to where he was parked. There was a book on the seat next to him. There was nobody else around. A book on the seat next to him. Discarded. He picked it up. It was this book. Now, if that doesn't, if that's not remarkable enough, um, later when he was uh, some time yet later, he was on the set back in the U.S. Um, with the um, and he was talking to the. Um, guy who'd written the book and the guy said you know what I'm really annoyed because uh, I lent my copy of the book to somebody and I'd marked it all up with all these marks because I wanted to produce an American edition of it and I'd check and I'd and and he never gave he lost it and the guy said this wouldn't be it would it and he looked at it it was the copy that the author had lost had given to somebody who'd lost so is God speaking no, this isn't a Christian. These aren't, these are, this is just, and it doesn't have any special meaning anyway. Things happen. Incredible coincidences happen. Don't get distracted by the fact that they happen. Now, sometimes they happen 
and it's actually God, but God isn't directing you to do what you might think he is. So a good example would be David in the cave, hiding in a cave. Saul needs to go to the washroom, finds a cave to go there, and he doesn't realize that David and his men are in there in the darkness. And what do his men say? Kill him. Hasn't God delivered you into his hands? Look, this is God. This is supernatural. You've got to act on this. And what does David do? He said, but this to do that would conflict with God's but the revealed will in the Bible, which says, do not kill the Lord's anointed. Do not strike the Lord's anointed. He says, so actually, what you're telling me to do, God can't be saying that because that would go against what else I know. So he cuts some of Saul's garment off. And then later on, it leads to Saul doing a temporary uh, repentance. So this is a, an example in the Bible of of. Uh, a apparent coincidence that is actually God. Of course, it was God, but being very careful about not running down the rabbit hole, assuming that is God. So, one more example from um, from um, uh, the rabbit hole. There's uh, <clears throat> a, a guy I knew. This must have been about ten years ago. He said, "You know, something amazing happened to me today." He said, "I was praying." for my finances, because then I'm very, very, I don't have much money. I was really praying. I was praying for my finances. So I, I, I went to get the streetcar, and I saw somebody get off the streetcar and drop his transfer on the ground. So I said, thank you, Lord. I picked up his transfer, and I used it to, to make the ride and got there for free. And I said, but hang on, isn't that stealing? Like, if God wants to give you a free ride, won't he actually provide the money rather than like defrauding the TTC by cheating using a ticket that's not yours? Uh, oh, no, it was God. It must have been God because look, it fell right there, right in front of my eyes after I'd been praying. So, so this, is, this can be a problem. Something can see so, seem so unlikely that we think it must be God and he must be saying this, but actually it goes against his will. So um, I'm going to um, suggest to you then that this is, we have to be very careful about interpreting these things. So um, as I was preparing this, I had, I I, I, um, got up at 6.30 this morning because I had a lot of work to do on my sermon still and I wanted to get some bits right. And I was working away and um, on the sermon and, just as I was coming to the conclusion, there was a power cut in the house. And I hadn't saved the file recently. Everything was gone. It was black. And I thought, oh no. And then the power came back on again, and everything came back on. And I had to try and work for where I was and try and recover things and, and try and remember what I did. And what is God saying? Like, is he saying, Andrew, you shouldn't be preaching on this today? Or what's he saying? So I joke, and I don't joke, this is true, God often gives me illustrations for the sermon while I'm preparing examples of it. And I actually think this is like a counter illustration, that this is an illustration of the kind of thing that would be very, very, like I was literally within 10 minutes of saving it and it would have been it. That would be in the sermon. What's the chances? We've not had a power cut for like a year. What's the chance of having it right then at that point where I'm just about to save the sermon? Very, very low chance. So what's God saying? 
God's not God's giving me an example of something that is irrelevant. And in fact, it's a challenge to me. I'm not going to get distracted by this. I'm I believe I should be preaching us, I'm going to do it. So sometimes things that happen that come up that are obstacles to what we're going to do are actually there just to challenge us to move forward. They're not telling us to stop. They're telling us no. Just that's not God telling you to stop. Just go forward and pray, and um, and uh, He will give you whatever you need. And so I just prayed to Him, and hopefully I've got all the stuff in that I originally planned to get in. So um, that's um, that's the rabbit hole that I've been talking about. So <clears throat> one more thing. Um, this is the the Roman goddess of fortune, Fortuna. And it's interesting that gamblers are very superstitious. Gambl- and Roman gamblers are no exception to that. But basically, um, gambling was a divine act in ancient times because it did nothing was by chance. It was the gods that decided. And so if you'd given enough worship to Fortuna, then you would win at gambling. And that's not actually that different today. Um, it's the same sort of thing today because that's how um, gambling works. But um, let me ask you, um, is God in charge of, of any, like if you throw a dice, does God decide which way it's going to go? Or is he, does he just not have any, anything to do with it? Well, of course, God is in charge. God, nothing happens by chance. So, so God is in, char- in charge. So if you throw a dice or you toss a coin, God does know which way it's going to go and he can providentially which way it's going to go. So, uh, so this means that we can be tempted to um, force God's hand and say, God, if I'm to marry her, may it go heads. If I'm not, may it go tails. And I've got another cautionary story from the time of George Whitfield, but it wasn't about marrying a wife. It was about something uh, well, equally serious. He, um, he uh, was living in the UK, and he was pastoring a, a big church, and God had really blessed him, but he felt called to come to North America to, to, to evangelize. And you may know, he led, really led the Great Awakening, and there were countless tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, saved through, these, through the preaching that he did in North America. But anyway, he felt, and he thought, I need somebody to lead my church. And um, so his friend John Wesley, he said, um, would you think of leading it? Only I would just ask one thing of you. We pretty much agree on everything except for predestination, because I'm for it and you're against it. So please, would you refrain from making that an issue if you come to my church, just so we don't get division? So um, uh, John Wesley came, took over the church, and he thought, hmm, what am I going to do about this? You know, I'm going to let God make the decision. Tossed a dice. The dice came down um, uh, for preaching on predestination, making it an issue. And he split the church. He caused horrible damage because of that. Um, because of the Because he said, well, it's God's controlling which way the dice goes. But God is never going to lead you in a way that causes division like that amongst his people. And so I would say that sometimes we, we do things, we, it might not be a dice, but it might be something equally random. God, if you want me to do this, may this happen. May you want me to, if I'm to do this, may these things happen. Uh, please guide me in this way. I'm just warning you, that's a rabbit hole. 
That is not somewhere you should go. So that is, I would say, the most damaging way that Christians have have gone the wrong way in their lives through um, apparently signs. You give God a sign, you tell him what you want to do, it's like pushing the button in the slot machine, and God, you, you show me which, which I'm to do. So that's my, that's my culmination of my warnings about this. Um, uh, so the idea is nothing's by chance, uh, all events are ordered by God, even throwing a dice, so why not throw a dice? In the Old Testament, they drew lots for things. Um, so it was called the Urim and Thurim. There's a story of David doing that. Um, what about in Acts 1 when they chose a successor to Judas? Okay, so I want to say that before the Spirit was given, before the Holy Spirit, um, God actually told them to ask for, for decisions where only he, only God could make the decision, like the calling of an apostle. Only God could decide that. Wisdom wouldn't allow that. Something like that, they were actually to cast lots. That was the only case, the only exception, and that ended at Pentecost when the Spirit was given. So that, I would say, in Acts chapter 1, then, when they chose a successor to Judas, they were doing a very unusual thing, but in fact it was the right thing because of a particular set of, of commands God had given. So, but we should not use that as an argument for doing something similar. So, uh, so this will give us um, a problem if God doesn't answer clearly, and we can end up with a roller coaster. God loves me, he loves me not. Sometimes he guides me, sometimes he doesn't. Does he love me? And it can be just a very, very negative thing. So, uh, so I've talked about caution with coincidences. I've talked about the rabbit hole, and I want to end now my third point, a healthy process for unusual events. Um, providential events and signs. And I want to talk about a healthy process. And um, uh, we pray a specific, if we pray a specific prayer, very specific, and God answers, um, we pray a general prayer for direction, and God answers. Uh, sometimes something happens just out of the blue, just when we need direction. Sometimes something very unlikely happens. Is God speaking? So those are the possibilities I want to consider now um, that, that, that could be happening, that we could be responding to. Is, these, uh, is God speaking from these things? And um, uh, I want to talk about prayers to start with, about prayers for, for uh, guidance. And then I want to talk about those one and two. And then three and four, about things that happen that are unlikely out of the blue um, is this God speaking? <clears throat> so let's, what about the Bible? Can you think of any unusual, strange things that happened in the Bible? Could that really be a coincidence? Well, you probably haven't thought of it like this, but I believe the star of Bethlehem was something, we don't know what it was, but something was so unusual about that star that the, the wise men knew that it was from God. It couldn't, it wasn't normal. There was something on about that. And they said, we have to follow it. We have to follow what it, what it is. This, this, this is not normal. This is not natural. And so the, the uh, star of Bethlehem would be an example. Although I said, we don't know what it was. Um, Paul and Silas in prison, you know, they're, they're uh, 
praising God, they're singing and so on, there's an earthquake which actually shakes all the bolts and lets them free, but doesn't hurt them. What a weird thing. Can you imagine having an earthquake that's enough to loosen everybody's change from the walls, but not enough actually to hurt anybody? This is what happened. So what are they to say? Hey, God's freed us. Let's run for it. No, they didn't take this as a direction from God. They said, okay, well, what would be wise to do now? If we run, the jailer's going to get killed because that's the, the rule in jails in Roman times. Is that if people escape, the jailer pays the price. So uh, he said, just everybody stay put. We'll see what God's doing. And the jailer ran in and um, asked. He was saved at that point. You remember, he said, what must I do to be saved when he saw them there? And then Paul, Paul knew that he could get freed because he was illegally imprisoned because he was a Roman citizen and he got himself freed through using that, um, that rule. Um, <clears throat> so uh, what Paul is doing with that earthquake then, he's not taking it as a special message from God that he should do something, but he's incorporating it into wisdom. What's the wise thing to do at this time um, in order to to show love to the people around me, to show, to show, to follow my calling as an evangelist. Another example would be Paul in the Viper in Acts 28. They're shipwrecked, they're on shore, and the weirdest thing happened. They're gathering some sticks to make a fire. One of them happens to have a viper in it, comes out, bites Paul, and Paul shakes it off into the fire, and everybody says, he's going to die because he must, he must be, the fate is after him because like, he must be a, a terrible, a terrible um, uh, criminal and he thinks he's escaped, but no, um, that fate has got him with his viper and he's going to die anyway because this is how they were thinking. And Paul was able to, to demonstrate, no, he was fine. He wasn't hurt at all by this. And in fact, he was able to get access to the governor of Malta and pray for his sick father. And so Paul used this event, uh, this weird event, this strange event, actually as a means for evangelism, not as some special sign from God. God, maybe I shouldn't be in this island because this viper's come and bit me. What are you trying to say to me, God? No, it's... um, So so these strange things do happen, and you can probably give me a lot more, but uh, it's a job to find one apart from the Star of Bethlehem, where that's only on that basis that they're making a decision. Only on that basis. And this is really where I want to land with this. It's extremely unusual that God will guide only with some event that happens, with some weird event, some specific thing that is is happening. Usually, it's confirmation of something else. There's other things that are happening in that. So, um, uh, so let's. I've got, I want to give you a healthy process now for unusual events. Pray that God will remove obstacles and open doors. Um, so. An example I want to give is about meeting here in this place here. So we were meeting in um, uh, in a place over on Sherbourne Street, which was okay, except um, there were some major issues uh, with 
like steel roof which echoed everything and so singing was almost impossible and it was like anyway it was some some real problems and I was one night I decided once one Friday night I decided that I was going to pray about uh, somewhere to meet as a church and I, in fact I was going to bring Google Maps on my computer and bring it up and just go over it and say where, where God where should we meet and I was just going over different things and I as I was doing this and praying I noticed uh, something I didn't see before and I began to zoom in and I realized there was a school here and I found out it was with the school board we were already renting with and I and I got very excited because um, I thought I really felt this was the place Anyway, what I didn't realize was that Friday night, a group of people in New Life Church had decided to get together and have a prayer meeting about where we were going to meet. Isn't that amazing? And they did, and they specifically were praying for that. They hadn't told me. And then when I talked to them, it was like, wow, this is from God. So, um, but nevertheless, when I came here, like, I didn't say, oh, this must be the place, it's from God. No, like, we had to say, God's opened this door, but we just have to evaluate it. So opening doors is a very important thing. Praying for God to open doors for you, I would say, is the key thing. And if one opens, then you evaluate it. You say, is this really God? Another thing would be confirmation. Often, you make a decision, you go through the process, and you just feel, okay, this is the wise thing to do. No supernatural guidance, but this is the wise thing to do. And then God confirms it with you in a special way. So just a short personal story. Um, back, um, if we go back um, to, um, to my teenage years, um, I rode a motorbike, and I was kind of a bit dangerous, right? I used to not like my car, I used to ride it too fast. And uh, there were several good reasons for getting a car. Partly, um, uh, the church was having a retreat and I needed to give rides to people. Partly, um, um, I was uh, not really safe on a motorbike and partly I just started dating Anne and she really wasn't keen on being the girl on the back of the bike. So uh, I thought, well, I'm going to get a car and what I really want is um, a Cortina and this was a Ford that they had popular at that time. So I started looking through the papers and, and I had some bad experiences with some kind of deception and some nastiness. And in the end, I, I found one, um, and an old paper and I called the guy and he hadn't sold it yet and he came over and everything was perfect. And so I bought the car. And on the way out, he said, um, oh, is that a text up there? Are you a Christian? I said, yeah. So am I, he said. I go to Baba Church. Um, I'm so glad the car's gone to a Christian. And so, you know, we, we, we talked for a little bit and he went. And I felt, you know, after all those bad experiences of being ripped off, like I felt God saying, yeah, Andrew, this is the one for you. And so, like, it wasn't guidance directly, but it was confirmation that God was with me in this. And uh, I would suggest to you that um, there, are, there are times that God does this. So um, God can guide in a way that sort of, um, it's sort of not direct guidance, but it is God being involved in the decision. So some examples, um, one of the books I've got on guidance here is a guy by a guy called Bruce Waltke. And he talks about how he was praying that... Um, he was a doctoral student and he needed an internship and he needed to use the library at Harvard. So he prayed, God, please, 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 and spent like spent the whole evening praying that God would give him an internship 
near the Harvard Library. The next morning in the mail was a letter sent some while ago saying from a church in, right in that area saying, would you like to have an internship with us? And um, so like it, it was really just fitted in, God answering his prayer. Um, when I was, um, when I was uh, in, in the UK and I was in a computer science professor and I was really wondering about whether to go come back to Canada and complete my, my uh, training in theology. And I was just praying about it, and I thought, well, you know, practically speaking, I would need some income. You know, I'd, need to, I'd need a wage while I was here. I, I'd go, I've got a family. I've got two kids. I need an income and uh, I, I, if I'm going to come. And I prayed about that, and then the phone went, and a few days later, and it was a pastor of a church saying, if you're ever thinking about coming back to Canada to study, then I've got, a, I've got a position in the church I'd like to offer you, and this is how much we'd pay you. So I just felt that was God quite clearly, and that's one of the reasons that I, I came, because he'd opened that door. Um, so another one was that um, I was, uh, I, I, I was uh, at one point in my life in a place where um, I didn't believe that the Spirit moved today supernaturally. That was all back in Bible times. Particularly, I didn't believe in prophecy today. But as I studied the New Testament, I became more and more convinced from the New Testament there's nothing to argue that prophecy had ceased. There was no argument. But, but what does... So in the end, I became, I became theologically convinced that prophecy could exist But today. But I never, um, I'd never experienced it or seen it. So I thought... I wonder where there's any churches where I could go to where I might see prophecy. So I heard there's a church I knew that quite a big church where they might they might do prophecy. So where they did do prophecy. So I thought, well, why don't I go there? So Anne and I headed off there, and it was Tuesday night, and um, we got there, and uh, there was um, a visiting speaker from Australia, and. Um, uh, we sat at the back because, you know, we don't usually do this sort of thing. But there were spare seats at the front. And they said, excuse me, we need some people to move forward. Could you move forward, please? And Anne and I had to go and sit fairly near the front. So anyway, the guy came in to speak. And he was literally, it was like this. He came in, put his Bible down. What's your name? <laughs> I said, Andrew. He said, you're here because... You're interested in prophecy and what God is doing. And you've been on a journey and God's brought you here. And God is doing something in your life. And you're going to have some hiccups in the road ahead, some struggles in the next few years. But no, God is with you. And then he just carried on preaching like that nothing had happened. And I'm like, can you imagine why I'm like, just sitting in my seat, melted into my seat. Whoa, whoa, I didn't expect this. So, um, so what is that? So it's God confirming something that I already believed, but it was just so wonderful to get that confirmation from him. So, um, uh, but I just have a caution. Don't try and explain everything that God does, like the power cut today. Don't try and explain all the odd things that happen as God speaking. That is the rabbit hole. Do not do that. It's much more significant if you have prayed for a specific door to be opened and God opened it and it fits in with wisdom. So prayer is closely tied with wisdom. And um, so just then to, to pull a few things together, um, 
the three steps, this is the, the top step, but it really fits together with the other steps very, very closely. And I would say it really fits as a part of wisdom. And I'm going to give you... Um, uh, okay, we've done that. I'm going to give you my set of seven steps, which I gave you last week. Uh, this is my steps to guidance. This is the overall thing. I'm going to close with this slide. Uh, the Spirit is living in you. Be confident. Uh, what the Spirit wrote to us in the Scriptures is the number one thing. God is never going to give you guidance that contradicts that. And then your relationship with God, walking with him, walking in the Spirit, walking with God, praying to him, this is key then to your guidance. And those are like the, the bottom three layers. And then the next thing is the Spirit's wisdom in others, asking other wisdom for others, honoring other stakeholders in unity, love, truth, and justice, um, seeking for wisdom. And then we come to supernatural direction. And then what I've been doing today, pray for providence, but interpret with care. Also, I suggest if you get something strange happening, ask others what they make of it and use it as a factor in applying wisdom. So if something happens and you feel, well, it's God, it's, that must be God, would that make you do something foolish? It still it must fit in with the wisdom that you're praying for. So uh, I've been telling you all kinds of stories of guidance, and sometimes you, you might think, well, how come nothing like this happens to me? Am I something wrong with me that God never does this for me? Well, I'm telling you a few things that have happened in my life. Because you remember the unusual things. But most of my time, my, my prayers are just simply walking with God and asking for wisdom. So if you haven't had something strange and odd and, and, and uh, some special sign, some event, don't think there's something wrong with you. Um, so uh, I, want to, I want to say to you the most important thing out of all of these things is Number three, the relationship with God, being in relationship with him and having that and living a life from that relationship. Everything flows from that. So um, while the worship team come up, I'm going to just pray for all of you once more for decisions you have in your life. Heavenly Father, I want to lift all the people here this morning and all those watching online to you right now. Lord, you know the decisions that they're trying to make right now in their lives. Lord, you know what they're struggling with. Lord, you know the challenges they're facing. I pray, God, that you would give them very clear understanding of how they should behave. Lord, I pray that you will give them wisdom. And I pray, Lord, if they need it, you'll give them some supernatural intervention. Lord, I lift them up to you, thanking you for your love and your care and your provision. In Jesus' name, amen.